Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and I'm going to have to ask you to excuse my voice and constant sniffling. Unfortunately, upon coming back from my travels this weekend, I woke up with a cold. But that does bring me to today's topic, the Ag Ambassadors State Conference. Now, for those of you who didn't listen to my episode last year, the Ag Ambassador State Conference is all about bringing together the different representatives of the Ag Leadership Programs from across various colleges. I mean, we had Butte College, we had Cal Poly, Fresno State, um, Pomona was there, COS, obviously. I mean, we have to be there. Um, but there, there are colleges from all over the state all coming together for this Ag Ambassadors conference, an opportunity for us to socialize with other colleges, exchange ideas on how to improve our leadership programs, and listen to keynote speakers and industry heads to help us improve our own understanding of the agricultural industry, as well as ways that we can improve our ourselves personally before improving our leadership programs. So just real quick before we jump into this year's conference, I want to compare it a little bit to last year's in saying that there were definitely some big differences. I mean, obviously, there was a different coordinator for the con- for the com- uh, conference this year, and because of that, there were some minor changes. But overall, I didn't see very much about this year's conference that I disliked at all. I mean, obviously, it was going to be different than last year because every year I would hope it would change, but overall, it was a very, very enjoyable con- conference. There was a lot of good speakers, very, uh, very fun activities. The tours were great. The people, as always, are fun to be around, and overall, it was just a very, very fun weekend. So, first of all, let's give a general breakdown of what the conference looks like in terms of structure and or an organization of the schedule, and compare it a little bit to last year and, and how things have changed a little bit, and some of the changes that I, I like. I mean, everything from the keynote speakers, the industry workshops, the tours, the movie night, everything was different for the most part. There were some things that are obviously consistent across every year, but the changes were the things that made it most special. It seemed like this year the conference was a little bit more interactive. For example, we actually, upon arrival at Cal Poly, got a tour of all their ag facilities, which was really, really cool. Uh, we got to see their their dairy barn, their equine units, their uh, calf hutches. We got to see pretty much all of it, and it was all really interesting to see close up and to hear how their operations are ran, considering we barely ever get to hear about that kind of stuff. It just made it more interactive for the experience of actually being at Cal Poly. After that, my crew and I... <clears throat> personally went to a, uh, a tour through downtown San Luis Obispo in which our teacher showed us all of her old hangout spots back when she went to Cal Poly, and that was awesome. We got to eat really good pizza, really good ice cream, got to go see the gum wall, which was completely disgusting, by the way, see a creek that ran right through the city. It was really, really cool to get to see the city so close up. From then on, we got back to the conference hall, and we actually got to watch a movie with everyone there. Having that movie night just seemed more of like a community feel and kind of get us out of the idea of we're just there for meetings and business the whole time and reminded us that we're there to bond, to become closer as ambassadors and to learn from each other. And despite the, the movie that was chosen, I feel like we all kind of came across that message pretty, pretty cleanly. So that's kind of the biggest change I noticed is, is the larger interaction. There are some other things as well. So like last year, for example, there were a variety of different industry heads you can go and listen to during the workshops, and you had to choose which ones you wanted to listen to. Whereas this year, you got to listen to every single workshop because they had time slots and they rotated out instead of having to go and catch them whenever they were available. That was really, really cool. The only thing that I would 
like to see changed about that, which I know this is this Cal Poly has no control over this aspect of it, was that during the mixer, basically all the industry has left, which kind of wasn't ideal for someone like me, for example, who's always looking for new episodes and looking for industry people to talk to. It was kind of difficult for me to connect with some of those industry heads that took off before I even got the chance. Um, some of them stuck around for the lunch, so that was kind of cool, but being able to see them at the mixer would have been much more favorable. And I, like I said, I know the Cal Poly has no control over that. That's more of a personal thing for the industry heads, but that would have been even more exciting to see because being less of them, it makes it a little bit more personal when you actually get to talk to them one-on-one after just listening to their talk because you, you've heard all of them. It's not like you're missing out on anything that anyone is, is saying. You Everyone heard the same speeches, so they all kind of had that same connection to all the industry heads. But that's neither here nor there. The keynote speaker, again, they had one this year just like they did last year. Obviously, it was a different person. I'll get into that in a second. There's actually a speaker in between the workshop sessions. I don't remember that being the case last year. Um, not not between the workshop sessions, excuse me. There's a speaker after the workshop sessions the first day, and they made the closing remarks for that day. And I'll get to who that was in a second as well. I don't remember that being a thing last year. So that's kind of a cool aspect. And then obviously, uh, Dr. Sable closed out the, the conference as he did last year with his famous owl story that I will gladly recap towards the end of the episode. But having those three speakers spaced out like that is just really, really cool because you get a bunch of different perspectives on the conference as a whole and, and what it means to those who are putting in the time and effort to make it happen. And so that was really, really interesting. So I think those are all the comparisons I could think of for between the two conferences. I mean, obviously, last year's conference was extremely special to me because it was the first one I had been to. Um, it was my opportunity to bond with a lot of my really close friends now. The people I went with last year ended up becoming some of my best friends at COS, and I can't say that I regret even a second of going last year. And on top of that, not even my COS friends, but the friends I made at the conference, I still keep them today. Some of them are responsible for the conference even being in place in the first place, and I'm incredibly grateful for that opportunity to, to meet those absolutely wonderful individuals. Um, I got some pictures with some of my friends that I know I might not be able to see next year, which makes me incredibly sad, but I'm glad we were able to capture some of those memories that we've made over the last wow, it's only been a year. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that so much has happened within a year that we've still stayed close over all that time. But that's 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 for another another time. I'll get into the, the conference itself now. So the first day, like I said, I mean, the first real day, the first business day after the movie night and everything, uh, the keynote speaker, her name was uh, Yvonne Sams. She was from G3 Enterprises. And she's responsible for the wine production, wine sales, the transportation aspect of the industry. And she gave this whole speech with the main point of it being uh, what her phrase, basically she told a story about this uh, school that was near where she grew up. And um, I can't remember the exact name of the school now because it was a, it was a uh, restructuring of the translation that she originally told us. But the the phrase that 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 school is named after was si se puede which is spanish for yes you can so that key phrase was her driving point for her success in her educational career her industry career and for her life as a whole she talked about how she went on to have a family and how important it is to take time to dedicate to your family besides just the the career and educational goals that you're setting out for yourself and that no matter what you do 
you have to keep telling yourself that you can complete anything that you set your mind to. And it's a really, really interesting and, and beneficial speech for everyone there to hear. She was the first woman to graduate from Cal Poly with an engineering and technology or agricultural engineering and technology degree. And she was actually the only woman to graduate with that degree because not long after that, they changed the degree to sector analysis. So she also became the first woman and she told us a story about how she uh, basically had to prove to her boss that she was capable of running the agribusiness aspects of their company, but she became the first woman to do so, and she killed it. I mean, she did an amazing job bringing this company up. She talked about how she already doubled the production from from before she was running it, and she's about to double it again, which is just absolutely incredible to hear her success story and talk about how her perseverance is what kept her going and, and, how, and how it got her to the goals that she accomplished was really beneficial for a lot of us to hear, especially because as all of us are beginning to move on in life and either graduate from college or transfer to new schools or maybe change career paths, it it's all incredibly intimidating for those of us who don't really know what's going to happen in the future, or really any of us because none of us really know what's going to happen in the future. But it was reassuring to hear that even though all the odds could be stacked against you, perseverance could just be enough to keep you from falling down. And that was a really, really great message to hear from from someone that was so successful with their life that, you know, had humble beginnings but came up and, and had a very, very successful career and family life, and, and they balanced the two perfectly. So um, I greatly enjoyed hearing the, the keynote speaker. She was she was awesome. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to her much. I really wish I could have because she was a really interesting lady. But um, yeah, once again, her name was Yvonne Sams and she was she was awesome. So, um, you know, maybe maybe she'll hear this and she'll be able to reach out and tell us more about about all the great things that she told us about. But uh, just moving right along here, moving into the first workshop, uh, the first workshop that, that me and, and my group attended was by Lauren Lane who is a water attorney. Um, I don't know all the specifics of, of her district or what exactly um, her her job description is. I just know that she mostly handles water rights-based uh, uh, legislation and, and kind of helping out, not legislation, that's the wrong word for it, but you know what I mean. Basically, she helps out with the water rights aspects of, of whatever her, her job description is. But um, she gave this whole story as well about how she went into school wanting to do one thing and her career path changed actually multiple times and she ended up just kind of going out on a limb just to try something new and that ended up becoming her ultimate career path which is ag law she told a story about you know that um she had the ag background she was an ffa she went to mjc cal poly she wanted to be a vet and then she wanted to be an engineer she wanted to be in, in soil science she was involved as an ag ambassador and actually helped to run the the Ag Ambassadors Conference back when she was still at Cal Poly, and then eventually, a, kind of out of nowhere, she ended up at law school, and that's in, that's where she ended up staying. You know, even after getting married and having kids, she finished off her law degree and became one of the strongest attorneys in her area because of her background knowledge in agriculture. One of the points that she mentioned was that all of the knowledge that she accumulated through her different career choices that that changed over time were were ultimately strong benefits to her case as a strong attorney. She went on to have clients that preferred her over other, other attorneys because she had the background knowledge and she had an understanding of the industries that she was dealing with. It was more than just the attorneys that go in there and understand the law aspects of it and try to learn the ag side of it. She already knew both. She knew exactly how to help out every client that she had, which was a really interesting point of view on it. And really, a really encouraging point of view because it shows that 
really no experience is negative. If you if you look at it positively, you can you can find an advantage to every experience you have. Even if you follow a career path all the way down to you almost finish your degree and then decide you want to change to do something else, everything you learn through that career path, you never know. It might come back and help you in, in your new choices. There's so many different outlets, especially in the agricultural industry. There's so many different outlets for career paths that, that cross over with each other that there's really no harm in getting your feet wet and trying out different things just to see what you're most comfortable with. She, as well as the other workshop leaders, heavily stressed the importance of doing internships and externships, and she talked about kind of her path in becoming an attorney. She talked about the knowledge that she gained along the way, and basically encouraged all of us to go on and try things that we never thought that we would like, just just to see. And if we end up not liking them, at least we have the experience, and you never know, that experience might go on to get us a job someday. So the the second workshop we went into after that was by Mark Herthel, which is uh, one of the co-founders of a company called Platinum Performance. And Platinum Performance is all about health and nutrition of, uh, of horses. Basically, the company was founded back in 1996. Him and his dad uh, kind of came up with this idea because his dad was a vet and like obsessed with making horses the highest, you know, the highest performance they can be. He worked at UC Davis. I think he also attended school at UC Davis. I could be wrong, but um, he worked at UC Davis and the the presenter Mark Herthel told us a story about how his dad and, and his team performed 29 surgeries on horses with colic and before they had their first horse that survived. And that's the crazy thing about now. I mean, really it's not because colic is a serious is, is a serious issue in the horse industry, but to think that they had that much trouble getting their first surviving horse is kind of disheartening. But once they finally did, that was huge. I mean, they, his dad did tons of research on nutrition and everything that, that they could find to make horses' performance increase dramatically, and really, they, they found it. They found this ideal, like, kind of uh, intersection of all the, all the positive aspects that made horse performance great, and they turned it into a product, a nutritional supplement that could make horses as best as they could be. And actually, this product went on to be used in multiple... I mean, not just triple crown winners, but multiple Kentucky Derby winners overall, and even a couple Olympic gold swimmers. And it's just, it's crazy how how his dad came up with this incredible product, and he, being the ag business major, found a way to market it effectively. And so it, he talked about teamwork and, and the importance of, of family and the importance of looking at the strategy of your business and, and kind of the, um, the, the uh, foundation of your business being important to your model. How if you're going to have a strong business, you have to have your priorities of your values. You have to talk about what you want your business to be viewed as and what you want people to get out of your service. And part of that goes into more than just having a business. It's more about building your own personal brand. It's it's about people understanding where you come from, what you care about, and what you want them to get away from you. So we talked a lot about heritage, talked about where brands come from, what brands mean, the purpose, the mission, um, you know, the product that goes with your brand, your story, all this different stuff that goes into the importance of your personal image and how if you want to get anywhere in the world, even if you're trying to sell yourself and not a product, you have to have a trustworthy brand, how people have to trust you, have to believe that the product that you're selling them is a good product and that they need to get that product before it's sold out. And he talked about all this great stuff that his dad taught him and, and all the stuff that the business model kind of 
reflects about their business. And it was really, really interesting to hear about how he's not just in it for the money or he's not just in it for the horses or whatever. He's in it for for one, his family, and for two, the the importance of his own personal integrity and making sure that his business and his brand are respectable and trustworthy. He actually talked about how he prioritizes his values, and he actually has quality above the consumer interest in his value plan, which is weird to think about at first, but he broke down why he does that, and that's because if the consumer asks for the solution of their um, particular supplement to be mixed up at all, then he could know that, okay, for example, if, if, the, if the customer asks us to be mixed up a certain way and he knows that that way is going to deteriorate the quality of that product, he won't do it because he values selling a good product that's going to work over what the customer wants because that's just his image. He wants to be known as someone who knows what he's doing, who puts value and integrity into work and would rather make sure the customer gets a good product rather than what they think is a good product but actually would not benefit their horses at all. So he had a really, really interesting um, way of looking at things about, and even just to kind of put a nice bow on his presentation, he brought his daughter and, and her best friend to the presentation as well to help out. And they were, I mean, they couldn't have been older than 10. They were young girls, but they were just, it, it really reflected his value of family in, in, his, in his presentation and how much he cared about the foundation of where it is that his whole business came from. So... Um, yeah, he, he had a good, um, a very good message. So from then on, we went on and had lunch. Uh, the lunch was very good. AGR made us burgers and it was awesome. We kind of just sat around and, um, you know, socialized. We were ordered to sit in at tables depending on our birthday, but a lot of people didn't end up doing that. They kind of just sat with their friends. I ended up sitting at the Fresno State table with Dr. Roca and a couple of the, uh, the Fresno State students got to talk to them a little bit about transferring, which was exciting. And yeah, we were there for maybe an hour or so, and then we went back into the into the next workshop. So going into workshop three, this one was hosted by a guy named Jake Odello, and he was very interesting. I actually enjoyed this presentation a lot. I enjoyed all of them a lot, but I enjoyed this one quite a bit as well. So for those of you who don't know, because I definitely didn't, Jake Odello is the uh, director of food safety at the Nunes Company. He's responsible for everything that happens from the seed all the way to the truck. Um, he's kind of an interesting guy, and he actually made a really, really good uh, first impression on me when he started his presentation because he stopped all of us before starting the presentation and had us thank all of our advisors, applaud for them, give them cheers for everything they do for us, and I thought that was really, really cool. He talked about how he sat in a meeting with them, and he was so impressed by how much they care about us, about how during their meeting they talked about how they could find new ways to improve our programs, to make the student body healthier, to make sure that our benef our experiences were, were most beneficial to us in any way possible. And he really highlighted how much they care about us, and I thought that was really, really cool of him to do. We later found out that that's partially because he had plans and still has plans of becoming an ag teacher, which was really, really cool to hear about as well, but I'll get to that in a second. So like I said, he was the director of food safety at the Nunez Company. Um, he's responsible for everything that happens from the seed all the way to the truck, and he is a he had a very interesting experience from his college years that he was more than happy to share, us, share with us. He advised very heavily to do internships, but not in the traditional sense. He talked about how instead of doing internships for things that you think you would like, 
to do internships for things that you know you wouldn't like because the more you do things you don't like the more things you do like become clear it kind of clears out all of your interests because the way he describes it if everything you like is buried underneath a bunch of you know stuff that you don't like the more you clear away the stuff you don't like the stuff you like is going to slowly rise to the top and it's going to become more apparent to you that was his first piece of advice and i thought that was really really significant and he talked about how important it is to take every opportunity possible to go explore every route that's given to you and to see what else is out there besides just what's right in front of you and that's all like i said something we need to hear more of um he said a few things that I was kind of surprised to hear coming from his mouth, but they definitely needed to be said and they needed to be heard by a lot of people. And um, the first one was to lose entitlement. Don't even think for a second that you're better than anyone, that you know more than anyone, that you're more qualified than anyone, because you don't know anyone else's story. You have no right to assume what anyone else has in their brain, what they've been through, what they've experienced, what they know. So just lose all entitlement. Act as if everyone else has the upper hand over you and make yourself better as in comparison second of all he said love to learn which that's my favorite point that he made because as someone who loves to learn i found this to be a very valuable piece of evidence i know a lot of people who don't like to learn they they go to school for a grade they go to school for a degree they go to their classes and don't get involved in anything else and they go home that is the least valuable way to spend your time in college or high school or any other school. Education systems are meant to be learned from, but not to be solely learned from. And the way he described his love of learning was just so, so familiar to me as someone who's doing this podcast, who originally started this podcast to learn. I still do it to learn. It, it just, it warmed my heart to hear that others are, are trying to encourage people to, to love learning. And I've loved learning since I was a kid. So this is this was definitely not a foreign concept to me, but I know so many people who don't like to learn. They go into classes and they write down every last word the teacher says and puts on the puts on the whiteboard. But by the time they get out of class they can't retain a single word of it. It's because they weren't learning the, the subject, they were just writing it down. And that's not something that I enjoy doing. I'd I'd rather not take a single word of notes and listen to what the teacher's saying, process it in my mind, relate it to other things I know, and make sure I understand the concept, then scribble down every last word and be able to just cram it all in the night before the test and hope that I get an A. Because that's not learning. That's not the point of school. That's not the point of being a an educated human. If you really want to learn, you have to absorb every bit of information you can, whether or not you agree with it, whether or not you like it, formulate it in your brain in a way that makes you understand it, and ask yourself why it's important to understand that information. And Jacob here made an excellent example of how that could be possible. He also talked about flexibility and how important it is to have a free schedule and try to be as flexible as you can with as many things as you can. Now, obviously, you don't want to you know, spread yourself too thin, but flexibility is definitely an important trait to have. It's something that is valued by a lot of employers. It's something that is valued by a lot of people in general. If you're flexible, if you're able to make things work for as many people as possible, you're going to be more desirable as someone that people are going to want to hand opportunities. I listen to a lot of speeches, presentations, uh, read a lot of books, and, the, and a lot of them say similar things about how people are just begging to open doors for young people. 
but the young people are closing themselves off to opportunities because they have one thing going on that they want to focus on instead of opening their opportunities and, and their flexibility to every other outlet that could be available to them. That's a mistake. Even if you can't handle everything that's being offered to you, don't just close yourself off from every opportunity available. Open your doors up and, and allow yourself to be flexible to see what else you can accomplish. Anything you can't, just say, hey, I'm sorry that I don't have the time or the energy to dedicate to your thing. I appreciate the offer. And when I get time, I like to come back and consider it again. But don't just burn any bridges because you're busy or you're lazy or whatever the case may be. So be flexible. And that was a, a point of his that I was really attracted to. He went on to talk about what makes a good leader as well. And I love hearing what people think makes a good leader because everyone has a different perspective on it. And every perspective, I haven't heard a bad one yet. He put up this triangle within a triangle. It looked like, for those of you who know what the Triforce is, of leadership. The middle of it is positivity, and there's a triangle with education, and a triangle with uh, supports, and a uh, triangle with uh, participates. And what all that means, I'll explain that in a second. Basically, he, he started off that part of the speech with positivity is the roots of all leadership, that you have to be able to be positive to be a good leader. Because if you're negative, you're going to bring down everyone on your team, and that's not a good thing. And I really, really connected with that, because as a generally positive person, I completely agree with what he's saying. You need to be able to bring out the best in people instead of just giving them the bad news and letting them fall apart. He also said the leader makes an effort to educate to participate and to support everyone on his team. A leader makes sure that everyone understands what it is they're supposed to do, but not just what their initial task is, why that task is important, what it does for the company, what it does for the project, what it does for that individual. And not just that, the leader participates in the project, actually looks for ways that they can help. They support any ideas that their team can come up with. They look for ways that the team can improve on what they're doing and if they can't improve on it and what they're doing is perfect they encourage them to keep doing the good work he had a lot of very interesting points that i really really liked hearing about he talked about how he wanted to be an ag teacher because he had a passion for teaching and he saw an importance in making sure that future generations had an understanding of where their food and fiber came from as anyone who's ever listened to this podcast before knows that's definitely something that i was able to relate to very very quickly but seeing as my time restraints are kind of falling on me a little bit, I'm going to kind of skip through the rest of um, Jacob's presentation here, although I have to admit it was one of my favorites this weekend. And not to say that any of the other ones weren't as good because they were all incredible, but Jacob's really, really connected with me. And I actually plan on doing a, an interview with him not too long from, from now. I actually was able to connect with him during the mixer, gave him a business card, and told him, I wanted to interview him, and he said he'd be happy to do it. So I hope that that happens pretty soon. Moving on, the fourth workshop was with uh, Megan Marquez, a, a representative from the California Farm Bureau, or Marks, excuse me. Um, she actually started off her presentation quoting the country song, I'm in a Hurry. And she talked about how she kind of did the opposite of what everyone else did in the Ag Ambassadors program. She rushed through school. She wasn't involved in hardly anything. She worked for the uh, United States Tennis Association, uh, she kind of just did her usual thing. She went to school every day, and she worked, and that was about it. She didn't really do any extracurriculars, but she did present some pretty good advice, and she talked about how she wished she would have gotten more involved, and that um, she advised that 
in order to be successful, you have to show up. You have to be present to be successful, to win, to do anything effective. You have to show up and be there, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. You have to make your boss look good. You have to be able to make those who hired you, who are putting you in the position you're in, look like it's a good decision. Make them not regret putting you there. You have to get outside the box. You have to be able to cooperate with others and and do things that you wouldn't normally do on a regular basis. And you have to be able to reach out and connect with others as well. And she was talking a a lot about how even though she didn't get heavily involved in a lot of the extracurriculars in, in her college years, she wishes she would have, and she highly recommends getting involved in, in, you know, in internships and externships and all the things that the others talked about as well. And that even if you don't get involved in that stuff, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful. You just really have to work hard at it. But she heavily recommended getting out and trying new things and putting pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, which I thought was definitely good for everyone to hear. For our closing remarks at the end of that day, uh, we heard a, um, a, a, a speech from Jerry Lohr, from J. Lohr Wine, and he told a story about how he grew up on a farm in South Carolina and how he worked his way through college, and then he very heavily emphasized the importance of internships. He talked about how passion is important, but you have to be confident in what you're doing. You can't be afraid to try new things and to be struck down or maybe not. Maybe you fly effectively. And he over and over again did something that I respect highly. That's he he commended the other speakers. He listened to almost every speech that was presented and he basically referenced all of them throughout his own talk. He talked about different points that Jake made, different points that Lauren made, different points that all of the speakers made, and and how their points all connected to what he was trying to get across. And I thought that was really, really cool how he did that. I was really impressed with his presentation, and I thought that he made some excellent points. He made a point to talk about how it's, it's common for people to try to avoid things that are difficult for them. They'll not take hard classes if they don't want the work, or they'll uh, try to take the easy classes or easy teachers or easy jobs just to try to get by. He also explained, though, that this is a very, very bad choice. The dodging difficult courses is not beneficial to you. You have to challenge yourself. The getting out there and trying new things that will ultimately probably tear you apart is one of the best things that can happen to you because it teaches you for one, how to deal with difficult situations, but for two, it constantly challenges your brain and, and forces you to adapt and get stronger and more intelligent. He definitely recommended being more open to research-oriented different internships as well. He highly advised going into scientific fields, doing things that got your hands dirty, that made you critically think about different situations, and that got you out and in, into the world instead of just cooped up in a an office space, for example. But one of the most interesting things about his presentation that he gave was that he mentioned how he didn't come to the conference because he wanted to speak. He came because he wanted to listen. He wanted to hear what other, pres- what other presenters had to say. He wanted to hear the stories of all the students that attended. He wanted to hear how the Ag Ambassadors program was doing. And that was really interesting to hear because it's not often you get speakers that show up to do more than just speak. A lot of them give their spiel and then they leave, but not Jerry Lore. He came for more. He he wanted more out of his experience. He wanted to be able to hear what all the ideas that we were coming up with were and see if we were 
doing all the things that he would have done if he were in our shoes. And from what he says, we pretty much are. He's very proud of what, of how far we've come, and I'm definitely grateful for getting to hear him speak on, on our behalf. And that was really, really cool. He talked about as well that it's important that you seek out experiences that you won't forget. Like for example, his his dad wouldn't let him come back and work on the family farm. So he looked for other opportunities. He went and found different outlets that he could use his, his information and his resources to try to find him an effective job. And it could still be farming, but it couldn't be the family farm. And that's because his dad didn't want to just give him an easy way out. He wanted him to be challenged. He wanted him to find his own path. And that's exactly what he did. And he was incredibly successful because of it. And he talked a lot about how a lot of people they give back to whatever programs created them, they do it out of gratitude. And that definitely is true, at least for me, and wanting to become an ag teacher, because that's the motivation for a lot of future ag teachers, is they're all grateful for the ag teachers that built them up. I mean, I had a lot of pretty great ag teachers, but a few of the ones that come to mind, obviously, uh, Mr. Coyne, Mr. Catano, Mrs. Williams, those teachers... Without them, I wouldn't be doing what, I, what I'm doing right now. I wouldn't be doing the podcast. I wouldn't even be an ag education major. There's a likelihood I probably wouldn't have even stayed in FFA past my first year. I think that Jerry Lore had an excellent point in saying that gratitude is definitely the motivation for giving back to pretty much everything that we do. And that was one of the greatest things I gathered from his presentation. But that also concluded our first day in terms of business. Now, at night, we obviously had our more fun activities. We had a dance, which was so much fun. We had uh, actual like line dancing lessons, which was really cool. The Cal Poly Line Dancing Club came in and taught us how to dance, which was pretty interesting. A lot of us are still kind of getting it down. Uh, but they had roping competitions. They had cornhole and everyone just got a lot closer and that same thing happened last year. I mean, that's, that's kind of the way that a lot of us do get closer. We all just kind of collectively just fail at dancing on the dance floor, but because of it, we all become friends. You know, we all like to laugh at each other and, and at ourselves and it made it a lot easier for us to kind of break the ice and, and have conversations flowing. I think that a lot of the connections that were made last year and this year as well are made in, in a common ground where everyone's, no longer embarrassed because they see how how silly we were all being together and it's it's really fun to get to see all that happen but that was it for the first day of the conference and looking at the length of this episode that might be it for this episode Uh, i'm I'm just going to go through all of day two and if it ends up being longer than what i have time for this episode or split into part one and part two they'll be posted on the same day so you're not going to be missing anything by um by the end of this episode so just kind of hang tight but we'll see how things go so, starting with day two, we started off in the Fresno State presentation, which was really interesting. Uh, they started off with an icebreaker. It was uh, similar to what the um, what the uh, icebreaker was for the attorney speech. It was a like find your match kind of game. It was, it was pretty fun. And then the, the Fresno State's presentation was all about parliamentary procedure, which is actually really interesting as a concept because the whole point of the school presentations of the Ag Ambassadors Conference was more because it's supposed to help us understand how, for one, we can improve our own presentations, and for two, how we can improve our Ag Leadership programs. And parliamentary procedure is definitely an effective way of doing that. So 
I'm actually kind of glad they did this uh, this presentation because this will actually help out with a lot of our officer meetings with the Ag Council and with the uh, you know the Ag Business Club and the Ag, you know all all of our different Ag clubs. So uh, I kind of hope to bring some of that back. And I know that some of our officers at COS actually know how the Part B Pro works. So I just you know not having done it a whole lot in my FFA chapter, I'm not super familiar. So that'll be kind of interesting to bring back and and try some of that stuff out. But first off, I'm not sure who coordinated these events but for some reason Fresno State and Cal Poly both used the office as themes for their events which was interesting but it's you know it's whatever I, I like the office is cool so um they started off with an office clip that was talking about how people uh can't agree on on something that they become unproductive essentially that not coming to a consensus kind of mitigates the uh, the possibility of them getting anything done so that kind of paved the way for Party Pro to be introduced, and really the reason Party Pro was introduced. So they kind of gave a, a quick history on on the practice of parliamentary procedure, which was interesting. They talked about Robert's Rules of Order and all that sort of thing, and they gave demonstrations using bake sales and all that kind of stuff. So they broke us all into groups, and we actually had to practice Party Pro on the on the uh, grounds of how to make a motion, how to. Uh, you know, reject or, or accept or how to, you know, uh, strike through and how to do all, all this kind of stuff, like all the different logistical aspects of Party of the Pro. And then we had a live demo up at the very end. And this was all kind of, again, to try to improve our abilities of running our meetings effectively by having everyone run off of a or an organized system to present points. That way it's not just a yelling match or, or nobody's talking or everyone's having a difficult time deciding on anything. This way, we can actually decide on topics more effectively and more organized. And I appreciate that they did that. That's actually a very useful skill to have. Moving into Cal Poly's presentation, theirs was actually titled Bears Beats Building Better Teens, which if you could, if you guys don't know, is also a reference to The Office. They actually sorted us into groups based off of The Office. And they mostly talked a lot about their... Uh, or I shouldn't say mostly, they started off by talking about their Ag Ambassadors program, their their cafe program. And they talked about, uh, kind of, they introduced themselves as, as, as individual officers, and they talked about what it is that they um, expect out of their officer team. So they also showed an office clip, which talked about, again, the difficulty of people to be able to compromise, how teamwork needs to be more uh, more of a priority in the average workplace than it typically is. And they also talked about the impact that body language has on the average communication, which is, if any of you know, kind of my big thing with communication is body language. I focus a lot on public speakers that use body language to their advantage or those who don't use it effectively. So first of all, they had us do this activity where we actually had to have our eyes closed the entire time. We couldn't talk, couldn't ask questions. There was no communication involved. And we were just being basically fed instructions on how to fold a paper and rip the corners. And the entire time, we can't see what we're doing. So at the end of the at the at the end of the instructions, we unfold our papers and see that all of them are very different. Because of this, we realize that instructions need to be extremely clear, and that questions are important. So two-way communication is kind of the most important aspect of their presentation and, and what they're trying to focus on mostly. The second activity they had us do was all based around teamwork and how we had to have all the members of our team except for one try to describe an item while the other member of the team tries to draw the item without being able to see it and we can't see the drawing. So basically we have to trust that the artist is listening to our instructions clearly and the artist has to trust that we're describing the item effectively. Now, this wasn't the best activity in the world, but 
in terms of how the the picture turned out ours was not ideal but it's better than butterfly scissors and for those of you who went to the conference you know what i mean but there were definitely key aspects of this activity that i could see being beneficial to the teamwork aspect of collaboration the importance of making sure that everyone has equal opportunity and equal say in in what is being done in a particular activity for example so that was kind of the first uh or the um the first set of presentations by the colleges, we had Fresno State and Cal Poly, and then the next set came in with Bakersfield College and UC Davis. Now, Bakersfield College had an interesting uh, presentation, and theirs was very similar to their one last year. It was mostly a recruitment video, or a recruitment presentation, I should say. It was less about anything that we could do in terms of improving our leadership ability, and more about how we can improve our recruitment um, methods and really... For anyone in the crowd that wanted to go to Bakersfield, it was a good eye. It was a good eye opener for them as well. They talked about the history of their college as well as each of the members of their ambassador team. Then they went on to discuss how you become an ambassador. They talked about the goals that they have, as well as some of the ways they outreach to some of the high schools around their area. They also talked about all the different aspects of their ambassador program: the foreign exchange program, team building, some of the majors offered at their college, pathways, internships. I mean, all of it. They talked about Kern County and how productive it is agriculturally, and pretty much just the basics of everything there is there is to their college. Then they had a Q&A session, and we played a Kahoot all about their college and Kern County as a whole. So it was kind of a fun, a fun presentation. Like I said, it was more focused on the recruitment aspect rather than the leadership aspect, but that's, I mean, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. It was the same presentation that they gave last year, um... Not the same presentation, but it was a very similar presentation to one they gave last year. But it was definitely still an effective one. I still enjoyed it quite a bit. And I think that there are definitely things that could be taken away from it to be used as recruitment methods for other colleges going to recruit to high schools or something of that sort. So moving on to the UC Davis presentation, they changed up a little bit because UC Davis is the Aggies. They are called the Aggie Ambassadors. Now, theirs was similar. It was more about outreach and communication and, and how they uh, recruit to their program and how they get people involved in their ambassador program. And then we did a little bit of a little um, game, I guess you could say, kind of a, a workshop. And basically, we had 10 minutes to complete a long series of tasks, and all of them were based off of teamwork. They are all based off of delegation and prioritizing the importance of different activities over others based on point systems. We had different teams all organized by the seasons, and then we had to try to allocate different jobs to different people that we can get them done effectively, and my team ended up winning. We actually kind of stomped the other teams, to be honest, but it was really fun. It was it was nice to get to work with others of, of different schools and all of us to be kind of not really knowing each other, being able to complete a task so effectively and in such a little amount of time with really no introduction to each other at all. So it was really interesting and a very, very distinct method of kind of getting people engaged in what it is that they do as part of their program. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then finally, we had the closing remarks by Dr. Sable. Now, this is definitely one of my, if not my favorite parts of the entire conference because it's very similar to his speech last year but i think that it might even be better i think the last year kind of has it favored in my mind just because it's my first time hearing the story so it's definitely a lot more impactful but this year's story was definitely very very special dr sable talked about how he hopes that 
as time goes on, the ambassador program is going to change along with everything that's going on in the ag industry and everything that's going on with youth today. And that was definitely nice to hear, knowing the people who are in the older generations aren't expecting us to keep things as they were when they were in charge. They want to see change. They want to see differences made, and they want to see adaptations made that are benefiting the new generations. And that's definitely awesome that that's kind of in their plans. And I hope that we can I hope we can, we can fulfill their goals for them. You talked about how a long time ago colleges were a lot more cutthroat. That Fresno State and Cal Poly used to compete just endlessly over everything. They were constantly trying to manipulate each other and that they would just not get along ever. And the other colleges were very similar. But the ambassador program fixed that. They brought people from every college together, made them work on common goals, and that kind of got rid of all of that rivalry. They all became friends and, and, al- and allies and and team members instead of, you know, opposing opposing people. They were constantly trying to fight each other over the same goals. And then he told his famous owl story. He told the story that I told on my last episode of this podcast that I will tell once again because it is such an incredible story, I couldn't help but not tell it. And just for the record, I thought it was kind of funny that while talking to Dr. Roca and Dr. Freeman, they both told me that they told basically almost begged Dr. Sable to tell the story again because of the fact that I mentioned on my podcast last year. It just kind of shows how impactful this story really was. So he told it again, and for those of you who didn't listen to my last year's episode, here's the owl story. So a bunch of burrowing owls were having a conference in at the beach, and obviously burrowing owls don't really fly because they're they're burrowing. They all go underground. So the conference is being held underground, and they are trying to get started, but they notice that one of their owls was missing. So they go outside, and they see a shadow on the ground. So they look up, and they see... Their owl's flying around. And so they ask her, hey, what what are you doing up there? And she says, I'm flying. And they say, well, we want to fly too. We'll, we'll cancel the conference. We'll cancel all the speakers. We'll cancel the workshops. Teach us how to fly. So they spent the whole rest of the day learning how to fly. She taught them how to take off, how to land, how to turn, everything. And they all felt much happier and satisfied with this than the conference they were originally going to go to. So at the end of the day, when all the sun came down and it was all time to wire down, and they had just been satisfied with all their flying that they'd been learning, they landed, and they walked home. Now, for those of you who didn't catch that end of the story, the fact that they landed and walked home is the most ironic part of all of it, because they just learned how to fly. Why would you want to walk home when you know how to fly now? And the point of the story, from Dr. Stable's perspective, is that you have an option, basically. You can go to this conference, you can learn all of the great things that there are to learn from it, you can gather them all, and you can do one of two things. You can either take them back to your community, back to your program, back to your school, and teach others about them. Obviously, it's not going to be the same as your initial experience, but teach them to the best of your ability and try to make a change back at your home. Or... You can leave everything you learned back at the conference. You can forget all of it, and you can walk home with nothing to bring back to those at your home. And at the end of the day, the choice is yours, but he heavily encourages that you go on and you teach others to fly because that is an incredibly useful skill for an owl to have. It's Leadership is an incredibly useful skill for an ag ambassador or anyone really to have. 
So there's really a massive disservice in not bringing those skills home to teach others. And of course, it's not going to be the same as the experience that you got going to the conference, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that you're continuing on the lessons that you were taught and the messages that you gather from your experience at the conference. When I heard that story for the first time last year, that really, really opened up my eyes to the potential of the Ag Ambassador Program and all the Ag Leadership Programs across all the schools. And obviously my congestion makes it difficult to really make that story sound as good as it's supposed to, but the point of the story remains the same. And that's that's a story that I hope to be able to tell for years on end when I become a teacher. It's a story that has a lot of value to it no matter where you apply it. And it's one that I am never, ever going to forget. And that wasn't all Dr. Sable said. That's kind of what surprised me. He had a lot to say about the rest of the conference, and I was really, really surprised and really pleased to hear the rest of his presentation. One of the next pieces of advice he gave is don't be a bad news person. People don't like bad news people. Be a good news person. Don't go around spreading negativity. Go around and spread positivity. And when there is bad news... Be the one that's able to see the silver lining in every bad situation. He also gave the same homework that he gave last year, and that's to go meet up with your campus president and make a change. Go talk to him about or her about all the things you learned this weekend and and what you can do to improve your programs and your school as a whole. And have a lesson plan ready for him. Have new ideas ready for him on how you can help with all these new programs, with ag leadership, with whatever the case may be go and make a difference. He spoke about how the ambassadors for the country represent their country and how the ambassadors for agriculture represent their schools. How important it was that as ambassadors, we've been chosen to represent our schools and therefore we must go on to represent them correctly. That we have to make a good image for ourselves as well as the schools we represent. And then he told the Apple story. And I'm almost positive I've heard the Apple story before, but I can't remember where. I don't think he's the one that I heard it from, but he could have been. But basically, here's the Apple story in a, in a nutshell. If you haven't, he, he, he told it from the context of, of you know, he, he knew a young person that he just saw as trouble. No good, just always getting into mischief, always doing bad things, just looked like a, a generally negative person to have around, and... He told that person that they were never going to accomplish anything. And that person says, do you know who I'm going to be someday? And he says, no, and neither do you. And that was kind of the, the, the first mistake he made with that situation. He talked about how later on that student came back and had achieved their degree and had gotten a great job and proved him wrong. And he went on to tell us that if you have an apple... Obviously, you can count the seeds in an apple, right? You can cut it open, and you can see how many seeds there are inside. But if you have a seed, you can't count the number of apples that seed has inside it. If you plant that seed and nurture it and water it, obviously, it's going to grow and produce hundreds of apples. But if you throw that seed out in the street to get run over, it's not going to grow any apples. So the importance of that story is that potential is nothing to be laughed at. It's... it's very important that you don't underestimate those who have potential and realistically you shouldn't give up on someone just because you immediately think that they're not going to accomplish anything because everyone has potential if you just water that seed 
he talked about the importance of having presidential questions as well. And he explained that a presidential question is a question, like its name suggests, that you'd ask the president. An important question that if you were to ask a president, it would stump them, basically. A question that if you were to ask someone who led a company, they would cancel all their meetings and tell you as much as they could about what they know about that answer. A question that's supposed to make the person you ask rethink everything about what they know. Not a weak question, not a question that's a joke or a question that's not important, a question that that's ma that matters, that's valuable, and that causes the person to really rethink how they think about that particular situation. And I thought that was really important because questions matter a lot. Having conversations matter a lot. And if you ask a, a poor question, you get a poor answer, that doesn't progress anything as far as the conversation goes. He talked about how every other state envies California ambassadors because of our passion, our energy, and our knowledge. And he went on to talk about how it's important to go and ask teachers to let you listen in on their uh, lectures about how it's important to, you know, go on and look for opportunities to learn as much as you can, even if, if it has nothing to do with what you want to do with your life. Go on and explore those opportunities just because they're there. Why not take them? Apparently, he also has a YouTube channel, which I will definitely link down in the description because it's very satisfying to watch. And he, like, demonstrates how to eat dragon fruit. He's a very, very strange man, but he's very, very admirable. He talks about dragon fruit and how it's a powerful uh, superfood and all this kind of stuff. And he kind of went on a, a long tangent about dragon fruit. But I actually got the opportunity to talk to Dr. Sable after his presentation and thank him for everything he said. I gave him my business card and told him he needs to listen to my episodes and that I wanted to interview him for one as well. And he said that he would be happy to. So next chance I get, I'm making a trip down to San Luis Obispo and I'm going to interview Dr. Sable. But I'm not sure when that'll be, so I can't really give any concrete evidence right now and a person actually asked him what he wanted his legacy to be and that was kind of a deep question and he said that above all he wanted to be trusted now whether or not he was lying because he was joking a lot about lying was questionable but i like to think that his intentions were were pure and that he actually does value being trusted above anything so that's kind of the last thing i want you guys to take away from my experience at the 2020 California Ag Ambassadors Conference. So, that being said, there's so much that I could talk about this conference that I just don't have the time for. I'm already running into almost an hour of episode length here, and I really need to cut it because I could make it into two episodes, but I just don't think that would do it justice. I think I need to leave it as one. But, yeah, so thank all of you so much for tuning in. I apologize again for my um, congestion and my constant sniffling. I really was trying to get this episode done as soon as I got back but I was just so tired that I waited until after I got sick apparently and that didn't that didn't pan out well so anyways tomorrow I'll actually be attending the Harvesting Leaders of Tomorrow Ag Career Expo at Fresno State I'm more than likely will be, will be doing an episode on it as well but we'll just have to see how things play out um I know I did an episode on it last year so it makes me want to do an episode on it on it this year as well we'll we'll see I might but that being said, I'd like to thank all of you so much for tuning in. Thank all of you so much for all of your support. And for those of you who went to the Ag Ambassadors Conference, thank you for the great experience. I hope you had a great experience as well. And if you have anything else you want to add, I'd be happy to hear your stories. 
And for those of you who helped with the Ag Ambassadors Conference, thank you so much for everything because it was definitely an incredible experience. So that's all I have for you guys. I hope to see you guys next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.